It's the end of an era for the St. Louis Blues, while the Detroit Red Wings and Nashville Predators have some tough decisions ahead as the NHL trade deadline approaches. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Blues, Josh Hyman. And, and Josh, the big trade, Vladimir Tarasenko, to, from the Blues to the Blue Shirts, uh, mm. the end of an era in St. Louis. Talk to me first about the legacy of Vladimir Tarasenko in St. Louis. What did he mean to this team? And 10 years from now, 20 years from now, how will he be remembered in St. Louis? Yeah, I mean, he's an incredible player, um, not just incredibly fun to watch and, you know, has one of the deadliest wrist shots in the league. You just look at the numbers, too. He's, I believe he's top five in franchise goals, top five in points, third in game-winning goals. It's just, you know, you, you're looking at Blues leaderboards for, like you said, 10, 20 years to come, and maybe he'll bump down a few spots, but he'll he's going to be in those top tens for a long time. He's going to be, a, I mean, his jersey's going to stay up on my wall for a long time. Um, he's, he's going to be a, a memorable player. You know, he, he helped lead the blues to their first ever Stanley cup and, you know, was great in that playoff series, you know, bounced back from multiple shoulder surgeries. He, he's a, he's a very iconic player. And, you know, you could argue that he's been the face of the team for almost a decade now, or had been the face of the team. Got to get used to using the past tense there. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long time before, um, I think his, his name is forgotten if, if ever in terms of his blues legacy. Is there one moment, uh, the sort of, if you were to pick one moment for the Vladimir Tarasenko best moment as a blue, what would it be? Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty easy. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be, I mean, anyone that's seen a sports center top 10 has probably seen the, the goal that I'm talking about. And funny enough, it happened against the New York Rangers at Madison square garden. Um, I want to say it's like 2014, 2015. So still early on in his career, um, picks the puck up in his own defensive zone, cuts through the neutral zone, splits two defenders, like it's nothing. And then does the one handed Forsberg tuck in goal. And it was just like, from then on, it was like, all right, you know, he's just making a name for himself in the league, but he's going to be special. And, you know, you, you can't go anywhere without watching that goal replayed uh, if you watch enough highlights. And that's that's always, I mean, that's maybe my favorite regular season goal in Blues history. And it's going to be hard to beat. Yeah, for sure. As far as the trade is concerned, how do you feel about what the team got back in this deal? I mean, on the surface, it might seem a little underwhelming. Um, but you look at the facts, you look at the fact that he had a full no-trade clause, and you look back at the at the last time a player similar of his caliber was traded with a full no-trade clause, and that was Taylor Hall to the Boston Bruins. And all he fetched was a, uh, Anders Bjork, who was a bottom six player and a second-round pick. So Blues end up getting themselves a first-round pick, a prospect, a fourth-round pick, and a familiar face in Sammy Blay. So 
just quantity wise, it's great. I think, you know, it's, it's above what I expected. Um, obviously, you know, you see some of the other trades that happen and you, you're hoping for a list prospects and first round picks, but at the end of the day, um, the draft coming up is pretty stacked and the blues are notoriously pretty good with their first round picks. So I like that. And then, like I said, Sammy blaze, a familiar face who was having a lot of trouble, um, with the Rangers kind of assimilating, hadn't scored a goal with them at all. So coming back to St. Louis, you know, he's talked about how excited he is, how much he loved it here. So, um, I think that's great as well. Just chemistry wise, I think getting, you know, a familiar face back is going to ease the pain of losing someone as, as important as Vladdy in terms of the locker room goes. So I, I'm a big fan of the return, obviously, you know, who, who you went, when am I not going to say, I wish it could have been more because you always wish it could have been more, but I think it was a very good return. So Vladimir Tarasenko mm-hmm. is gone. Uh, that obviously is sort of the end of an era in St. Louis. The team is more or less admitting, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, most likely. What do you see happening in the next three weeks leading up until the trade deadline? Where do the team, where does the team go from here? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to overlook, but in the Vladimir Tarasenko trade, they also got rid of a solid defenseman in Nico Mikola, who was playing top, you know, obviously top six minutes throughout the whole year. He was one of their starters at times, been on the top pairing. So, and the defense has, has, you know, been in need of a lot of work this season. So the Blues trading away a defenseman is like exactly what you said, saying we're, we're kind of, admitting this season's going to be a, a a punt and we're looking ahead at the draft and Nico Miko was on an expiring deal. Vladimir Tarasenko was on an expiring deal, but then you look at the rest of the, the blues roster, you have their captain Ryan O'Reilly on an expiring deal. Um, another bottom six, middle six guy, Nola Chari on an expiring deal. And then 20 plus goal scorer last year, Ivan Barbashev also on an expiring deal. So the blues could be moving a lot of familiar faces in the next few weeks. I think I said this um, yesterday in the sort of the quick reaction we did. I think this is the first domino to fall. Um, maybe O'Reilly stays, but those other guys, I think there's no reason the blues are going to keep them. Um, especially as you know, you get closer to the deadline asking prices go up. I think the blues are going to do everything in their power to stack the pr- cupboard of, of draft picks and prospects, whether that means they're going into a full rebuild and using those picks to draft and develop players or, trading those picks. Um, last time the Blues had two first-round picks, they traded for Braden Shen and drafted Robert Thomas within 30 minutes of one another. So I'm hoping we get some sort of a similar approach where they're using half of their assets to kind of re- retool so they're not at the bottom of the league for a long time, but also using their first-round picks to pick some players that will hopefully you know, turn into impact guys a couple of years down the road. Talk to me about Jordan Bennington. Where does he stand now and and – is he part of the long-term future of this team? Look, it's 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 a tough year for Jordan Binnington. Um, objectively, I think this is the best full regular season he's had with the St. Louis Blues, you know, obviously besides the one where he came up midway through. It's just tough because the team this year is kind of just checked out. Uh, as much as it pains me to say, you know, the effort isn't there. And I think he's one of the, the guys on the team that is putting in the most in terms of effort and, and passion. And as much as the, his numbers and his statistics won't show, he has been very solid uh, up until this point. You know, he, he's prone in years past to just have two week, three week long stretches where he plays at a very much below replacement level and is almost unusable out there. And we haven't seen that from him this year. He has not, he stumbled like once um and where but that was only for like two or three games much shorter than what's usually expected out of him so if anything this season's proven that he can be at least an average goaltender at the nhl level but at the same time i'm curious to see if you know 
a year down the road, two years down the road, when the Blues are a little bit more competitive, if he's able to play with this consistency again, I think he'll prove to a lot of people, Blues fans included, that maybe aren't the biggest fan of his contract, that he is worth keeping around as the starting goalie. And the same side, the same time that the Blues have a lot of goaltenders in their prospect cupboard, um, especially some pretty good looking guys. So who knows what their plans are there? I think I don't think Bennington's going anywhere anytime soon, though. And who do you think this team is going to build around going forward? I mean, it's it's that's an easy one. Uh, over the offseason, they gave out two identical extensions to their two young studs, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, both of which are one and two in points for the Blues this year. I think that's something that's kind of gone under the radar. As much as this season's been disappointing, both of them have shown up and have taken that next step that you would expect out of guys that you just gave a long-term deal to, you know, becoming both the highest paid players in blues history. You would hope that they had a big season. And as much as I think they would be doing better, if, like I said, the rest of the team was producing more as well, the fact that they're both around point per game is very exciting. Um, And if the blues, you know, sort of transition to more of the skill based game that Cairo and Thomas bring, I think they're going to thrive for a long time in the system. Josh, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast? Yes, sir. So Locked on Blues, um, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, YouTube as well, getting close to 600 subscribers there. Uh, so that's fun. Locked on Blues, uh, at Locked on Blues on Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok as well. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL, J-O-S-H-H-Y-M-A-N NHL. Look forward to seeing you there. All right, Josh, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, sir. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Why do I start taking AG1? Well, I started taking it because I wanted to find one supplement that would meet all my nutritional needs. What is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all these things. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Red Wings, Brian Fisher. And Brian, a a very interesting time for the Red Wings right now. A two-game winning streak, kind of right in the thick of a playoff hunt, but now a five-game West Coast road trip. What do you see as the key to continuing their success on this road trip? Well, as has been the problem with this team all year long, it, it's going to come down to defense. And if they cannot prevent their opponents from taking high danger scoring chances, uh, then they're not going to have success. Offensively speaking, they can score goals. We saw that against Vancouver on Sunday or Saturday, rather. And granted, Vancouver has the worst team save percentage in the entire league. But defensively, they tend to get caved in in their own zone. Um, and they let a lot. If you look at any heat map from this season outside of the Calgary game, Uh, On Thursday, it seems like every single game, there's 
five or six shots at even strength taken right out in front of Vili Husso, who tends to net more times than not. So key to the success is if the defense can get together and one, Jake Wallman has to come back as he's day to day. But if this defense can get together and prevent opportunities from inside their own slot, they're going to have a good chance at winning games because they can hang with teams on when it comes to even strength goals. It's just they're defensively in their own zone. They tend to just, you know, people talk about Ben, not break. Well, they just tend to break more times than not. Are you concerned about you being overworked at this point as we head down the stretch drive of the season? Yeah, that's actually something Scotty and I talked about today um, on our recording is we expect Magnus Helberg to get one, if not two starts uh, in this road trip. Obviously at home, you want your better goalie at home to play more often than not, but he's been, he started the season incredibly well. He was on fire at a save percentage of like 919. And then he had about a month where he struggled and his save percentages come all the way back down to earth. It's floating around 900. I think it's a 903 right now. Uh, he's now strung together two back-to-back games where he's been really good. Uh, both He had one goal against Calgary and just two against Vancouver. Both teams heavily outshot the Detroit Red Wings in those games. So he's been good. He just needs help. So there is a concern about maybe a little bit of burnout, and that's why we think that Magnus Helberg, who, you know, you never want a journeyman goaltender to be your backup, especially when you have a guy making $3 million sitting down in the Grand Rapids Griffins and Alex Nadelkovich, but... You know, you got to make do with what you got, and you can't ride a guy who's never played a full year on as a starter the entire year. You're going to burn him out. So you have to give Helberg spot starts. So I think if not the game against Vancouver in Vancouver, maybe at least one of the two back-to-back games, Edmonton-Calgary, Wednesday, Thursday, Helberg will get one of those two starts without a doubt. Talk to me about Lucas Raymond. I know he's listed as day-to-day right now, an important part of the Red Wings attack. What's happening with him, and what is his future looking like, short term? Well, the game against Vancouver on Saturday, in which the Wings won 5-2, to was the first game in his short career, two-year career now, that he's ever missed. He had played all 82 games last season, like Sider did, and like Sider this year, he played every single game, which is incredible for a guy their age. But this, he collided with Ben Chirot in practice. We don't know how, how the collision happened or what happened. We know it was accidental. But he left the ice in pain. And the only thing that the Red Wings have told us, because the Red Wings never show their hand, it's, it's Eiserman never wants to tell the media anything. And I understand it, and I respect it. But it can be frustrating when you want to know what's up. We All we, all we know is it's a lower body injury and that he's listed as day-to-day. Um, and I hope it's true. And I hope that it was day-to-day ending Tonight, by the time people are listening to this, I want him to be back against Vancouver because without him, you know, you have Dominic Kubelik, who is literally a healthy scratch against Calgary, immediately hopped up to the top line. I mean, that's how quickly that depth gets shaken. You can't, you need to have Dominic Kubelik go from, and let's be honest, he's he's a great power play asset. He's got a great shot, but that's all he is. He's a bottom six winger at best. And he immediately hops up. You need Lucas Raymond to be healthy because he's such a potent, playmaker on this team and he can score goals too he's so good he's on pace to break his rookie uh, career high which was like I think in the 40s last season if I'm trying to remember off the top of my head maybe 57 points something like that and he was looking to do even more than that this year so you need Lucas Raymond in the lineup no question about that so the trade deadline is about three weeks away right now Detroit fighting for one of those wild card spots battling for playoff position 
How do you think Steve Eiserman approaches the trade deadline and what are the wings looking to do? I do think that inevitably the wings are going to end up being a seller at the trade deadline because while they're less than 10 points out of a playoff spot, if you look at the teams they're battling with, the Red Wings just aren't there yet. They just aren't. And I said it earlier in this segment is that defensively they're, they just cannot, they're still a team trying to figure it out. You got a first year head coach. You got a lot of young guys. Yeah, you signed a lot of veterans to to deals this offseason. But if you look at what those deals were, you know, Cop and Shaw obviously were five and four year deals, but everyone else, Olimata was a one year deal. Uh, Peron and Kubalik were two year deals. They're not meant to be this the team going forward. This is meant to be the team taking a step forward. But a step forward in the Atlantic Division and in the Eastern Conference doesn't mean a playoff spot. A step forward is going to probably be finishing sixth again but going from 71 points to 84 points, which is a progression, but not a playoff team. So I think inevitably those guys you signed a shorter term contracts, your David Perons, your Olimata's, maybe even your Dominic Kubelik, who was a guy that Eisenman took a flyer on. You could see those guys moved. And I think Tyler Bertuzzi is definitively going to get moved at this deadline. And I don't know if Red Wings fans are going to be happy with their return because last year he obviously had a career year. Uh, he had 30 goals, 60 some points. He was great. But outside of last year, he's been injury. He's been hurt a lot. And this year's no exception. He broke both of his hands blocking shots. And then as soon as he came back from both of those injuries, he got hurt again. The second broken hand, he came back. He pulled a groin, I believe it was, immediately after that. And he's been returning to form lately. He's one of two players on the team that's got a above 50% Corsi 4 percentage. There's only three players on the team that have an above 50% Corsi 4. And one of them's in Grand Rapids right now, Jacob Verana. The other one is Jake Wallman. Um, but... So Tyler Bertuzzi, losing him would stink, but I, there's, there, Jeff Merrick came out and said that there were short extension talks but went nowhere. He's going to get dealt, and that's going to sting, and I don't know if you're going to get the return you want because he's been so injury-prone, but this team's not going to make the playoffs. It's just blunt. It, they're, they're competing with teams that are in much better spots than they are. It's just not the year yet. It just isn't. But they have a lot of future ahead of them yet, so... I preach patience still when it comes to the Red Wings. I know it's been since 2016, but the pieces are there. They're just not there yet. And what are they looking for in return for some of these short-term veterans that they're looking to deal? I mean, if you look at, I would like, if I'm talking personally, I would like the Red Wings to start shifting away from draft picks and more towards prospects because, you know, Larkin's turning 27 in June or July, June. And so you're hoping he signs an extension and stays long-term before the deadline comes. And I think he will. I do believe he will. But this team is looking to take that step forward and prospects take a long time to develop. And if you're drafting them, they take even longer. If you can trade a Tyler Bertuzzi for a prospect that is already in a system that's already developing, it's a shorter timeline to get him to the Red Wings and getting them to be an effective player. Now, if you're talking draft picks wise, if they do draft, take draft picks, you know, David Perron, maybe net you a second, uh, Mata third or a fourth Tyler Bertuzzi. I would hope he can net you at least a first or a high end prospect. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if you get less for him just because of the time type of season he's had. So, I mean, I, I just hope for prospects more than picks at this point, but I, no one ever knows what's going on in Iserman's head. He, he never, never shows his hand. Yeah, part part of the business, and I certainly know that from following Lou Lamorello on the Islanders the last few years, so absolutely. Brian, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast, where they could find you on social media? Well, you can find the podcast on YouTube, Megaphone, or Megaphone's what sends out the podcast on Spotify and Apple, that is. The Odyssey app, obviously. 
uh, Locked On Red Wings on all those things. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Fisher, WWJ. It's the radio station I work for. And Scotty, which is my co-host, at Bentley Scotty. So we're on Twitter. We post daily. Sometimes it's hockey. Sometimes we're just posting for the sake of posting for fun. Uh, but yeah, listen to us. We try to have fun. All right, Brian, always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel app, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, one word, to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked On Predators, Ann Kimmel. And Ann, teams at the crossroads right now. The uh, Nashville Predators, they've been winning lately, but up and down all season. And now the Philip Forsberg injury what is the latest? What do you know? And, and how does this affect the team short term and maybe a little bit further down the line? Philip Forsberg went left the game Saturday against the Philadelphia Flyers at the end of the first period. And the Predators today announced that he is listed as day to day with upper body injury. Day to day feels a little bit optimistic just from watching the injury happen, but that's how they're listing him. The Predators take on Arizona on Monday, so I think that feels like a little bit of extra breathing room with Forsberg out due to injury. But later on this week, we're looking at the Boston Bruins and the Florida Panthers. So the Predators, if he is not back in the next couple of days, are going to have to make some decisions about what they do with him out of the lineup. Yeah, going to be a, a tough one. He has 19 goals to lead the team, second on the team with 42 points. Who do you think the team will look to step up if he misses a couple of games here or there? Well, right now they have enough forwards. Uh, Tommy Novak was a healthy scratch in the game on Saturday. Mark Jankowski slotted into the lineup. So it may be that on the game against Arizona, they just bring in Novak and Jankowski. Of course, everybody in Nashville feels like this may be the opportunity to bring up young Phil Tomasino, who played last year for the Nashville Predators and has spent all season so far in Milwaukee. So if Philip Forsberg's injury is going to be a little bit longer term day to day injury, there is potential for this to be an open door for Philip Tomasino, who, again, you know, performed pretty well in his first NHL season for the Predators, but did not make the team out of camp. He is not leading in Milwaukee as far as goals or points, but he's had a little bit of an injury issue. He's back on the ice. So this may be an open door for us to see Phil Tomasino back on the ice in Nashville. Will be interesting to see how the team plays that out. Right now, the, the Predators are in fifth place in the Central Division, but just four points out of third place, and they have 
one or two games in hand on the two teams in front of them. What do you foresee this team doing at the trade deadline, which is now about three weeks away? This is a great question, and it's one that actually I'm not going to be able to answer real well for you unless or until the Predators get maybe another three or four games under their belt, because the Predators are definitely at a crossroad. If this team kind of can't get it together, if this team looks like they're just kind of fall apart after the all-star break, if they're not gaining momentum, gaining points, moving up in the Central Division, there is a chance that David Poyle could decide to sell some pieces at the trade deadline. Now, I don't think you're going to see some huge moves, but one of the names that's been tossed around kind of consistently when it comes to trade pieces is defenseman Dante Fabro. So that's a name to kind of keep an eye on. Now, if the Predators turn this around and if they start gaining points moving up in the next four or five games, six games in February, David Poyle could make a very different decision at the trade deadline. He may decide to bring in a piece or two. He's not one for doing a big, huge move at the trade deadline. But if he feels like the Predators are trending in the right direction, if he feels like this is a team that could make a playoff run, hopefully get into that second round of the playoffs, he may go out and try to pick up a piece or two, a depth piece for the Predators. But what's interesting is I don't think anybody, including David Poyle, can tell you at this very point what the trade deadline is going to look like for the Predators. If Poyle decides to add a piece, what kind of what position, what kind of player do you think he'd look to bring in? Uh, if he loses Dante Fabro, I would look for like a depth defenseman. They have some good depth defensemen in Milwaukee, but I'm not sure they have anybody that they feel is really ready to jump in full time. Also, kind of keep an eye on some secondary scoring pieces, something in a bottom six role. The Predators have not had a lot of support when it comes to depth scoring this season. They've brought in some different players from Milwaukee. We talked about uh, Tommy Novak, Mark Jankowski, uh, but players like Tanner Janot and Yakov Trenin, who combined for over 40 goals last season, both of those players have struggled. So David Poyle may look for a piece to kind of shore up some bottom six scoring for the Predators, or he may decide to just, like we say, go with the girl he brought to the dance, and he may just take this team and see what they can do closer to playoff time. Here, here we are, 50 games into the season, give or take. Why the inconsistency in Nashville? What has this team been lacking that they've sort of been disappointing in certain respects? The most consistent thing about the Predators this season has been inconsistency, and it's been really frustrating. There are definitely some different uh, ideas in the fan base as to what causes this. There are some people that feel like this is a coaching issue, that somehow John Hines has not been able to get all of these players on board. A lot of people say that there is maybe an issue with the core. Several weeks ago, the players and coaches had kind of a closed door meeting after a disastrous loss to the St. Louis Blues. And they had kind of a hockey come to Jesus where some of the leaders of the team, Ryan Johansson is a name that was mentioned specifically by teammates who really spoke from the heart, had very frank, very honest, and it was also described as uncomfortable conversations about personal performances and the play of the team. 
The response from the Predators were three great wins in a row before the All-Star break. So I think that there's an element that is just how much does this core believe and how committed are they to making a deep playoff run? If the Predators can keep momentum, if these core players can really perform as well as we know they have the ability to, it's a talented roster on paper. That hasn't translated this season, but I do think if the players can really commit from here on out, this could be a playoff team. It's going to be an interesting ride the rest of the way. And why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media. You can find uh, Locked on Predators anywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Predators. And you can follow me on Twitter at ANK underscore Mama on Ice. All right. And always a pleasure. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. I want to thank my guests, Josh Hyman of Locked On Blues, Brian Fisher of Locked On Red Wings, and Ann Kimmel of Locked On Predators. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday. I also co-host the Friday edition of Locked On NHL with Rachel Donner. And remember, we are here every Monday through Friday bringing you the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. Have a great day, everyone, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.